Hey guys, it's Lights Out F1 Bet and F1 Capper with you today for the first of our summer break series, where we interview various people from F1 and sports betting worlds. We're thrilled to have F1 Twitter heavyweight Ahmed Bakba, that's at Ahmed underscore Bakba, joining us today for a conversation. With over 7,000 followers, anyone on F1 Twitter knows who Ahmed is. He was one of my first follows when I started my F1 betting account and is always posting solid F1 content with original takes and unique perspectives. He writes for the Arabic Mercedes F1 team and works in commercial aviation. Welcome to the show, Ahmed. Thank you very much. And thank you for having me. And I wouldn't honestly call myself a heavyweight. Not yet. <laughs> uh, give, give, give it some time. Then we'll see where this goes. And uh, thank you once again for... I'm pretty excited to see where this episode can go. So let's just get going. Yeah, good stuff, man. We're we're uh, thrilled to have you join us. Um, you know, we're definitely a rising star in the F1 Twitter space. We'll call you that much anyways, man. And um, yeah, joined with, by my partner in crime, F1 Capper. We got a couple of questions, obviously, on the F1 side and some betting questions as well. But before we even get there, you know, tell us a bit about yourself. We see lots of aviation content on some of your social media channels. You know, is it safe to say... You work in commercial aviation, maybe as a pilot. What's your education background and how did yes, you get into F1? I am, I am training to become a commercial pilot. <clears throat> That's my, uh, I'm also, uh, I'm going to be taking courses for, uh, on an engineering background. Uh, other than that, I'm also a part-timer with the, a media company, which is growing now in the Middle East and coming up called Mina Grand Prix. And yeah, pretty much that's my uh, circle of uh, activities and I would say interests. In terms of aviation, um, I've been a fan of aviation when I was a young kid and F1 caught my eye. When I start to understand a little bit what's motorsport, when I start growing up, knowing what's motorsport and all that. And um yeah, the only way I knew about F1, because I think when I was a young kid, they were showing uh, the Senna incident. And um, there was, a, I think, I don't know, I don't remember, is that a show, a documentary, but they were showing the Senna incident in Emola. And um, I was asking my mom, was like, who's this guy? And she was like, oh, this is Arthur Senna. He was an F1 driver. Blah, 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 blah. And apparently she had some background about him because she was watching Art and Senna. So that's how I got into F1 through my mom. Wow. So it wasn't uh, Drive to Survive. No, <laughs> it was my mom. And yeah, my first driver to support was Michael Schumacher, 2002-2003. Uh, Those were my first full seasons to watch. And um, then you have... After that, I think, yeah, uh, 2007, I started to support McLaren just on the sense of that I liked the Mercedes logo. And I was still young, thinking that Mercedes is a team back then, yeah. but it was just a Mercedes McLaren or McLaren Mercedes, sorry. So, yeah. Another reason why I supported McLaren and specifically Hamilton because I was a, a kid, a salty Michael Schumacher uh, fan after Alonso dethroned uh, Michael. So I was like, I'm going to support this new rookie Hamilton just against Fernando Alonso for people say that he's better than Michael. 
and that's how I started supporting Lewis up until today. But um, yeah, if there's anything different today, it's my take and my different, uh, my feelings toward Alonso are much warmer now than what it was when I was a kid. A salty Schumacher fan, I'd say. That's so, funny you the, say the, that of, about the Silver Arrows, uh, because that's exactly how I latched on to McLaren in the beginning. Like, I wasn't a big fan in 2007 or 8, but, you know, as a kid, you, you know, especially with the background we have, it's always about Mercedes, right? Mercedes is that, huge, huge. That Mercedes. logo right there. That logo, yeah. And that was one of our favorite cars. They didn't have Porsche, so I latched onto Mercedes. And then, uh, yeah, I think my my per, uh, support for Lewis came a little bit after, though, um, because it was Vettel. Vettel was the enemy, and I wanted to see someone. And, of course, you got to take on that uh, – Silver arrows, so it's kind of funny. Yeah, so yeah, it is the same thing uh, with me. Uh, just that I only started supporting the real Mercedes team mm-hmm. when they joined the grid, and what made it even better because I was like, now the real Mercedes joining the grid. And on top of that, my first favorite driver in F one is driving for the Michael Schumacher. Yeah, this is good for me. Uh, I was still, of course, supporting Lewis. Because at that time, who would have known that Michael would retire and return, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, and then when Lewis joined Mercedes, that's it. It was just uh, a couple made in heaven for me. Mm-hmm. My favorite team, my favorite driver altogether. I have nothing to complain about. So pretty much that's my story with F1. But just I want to come back to the commercial pilot. So um, are you actually flying for a commercial right now for a the commercial airlines or are you still doing the hours and i am still you... doing the hours and everything okay. i'm building my hours mm-hmm. uh but uh, yeah i'm not flying for any airline at the moment okay uh, and from what i've heard from people that works with airlines either with emirates or canada air or saudi airlines many of these i'd say old guards pilots when i speak to them and i was like what is the one thing you would tell me? They said, just enjoy what you do it now as it's training because the training is very fun because once you get into the job part, it's not hard, but you wouldn't be having the fun part of it. Mm-hmm. So pretty much you're just a man in a suit, but instead of an office, your office is in the sky. Yeah. That's the, basically what it is. The cockpit. So, yeah. Yeah. Instead of uh, sitting in a desk, in a building, you're going to be sitting at a desk in the sky. It's basically what it is. But, of course, you have to be passionate toward the thing to be in aviation. And, yeah, one of the funny stories that I know from the past, they say, like, I have a friend. He, I mean, he regularly flies from Jeddah to L.A. nonstop, 17 hours nonstop. And um, he says in that flight some of the captains and co-pilots that he's with, when they are cool and fun, the flight feels like six hours. But when there are a bunch of boring dudes, that flight feels like 20, 48 hours. It's like, that's how <laughs> long it feels. So it's like the part of having a, like a good co-pilot or a pilot with you is very important because you do not want a boring guy with you in the cockpit. Just nagging all the time, and you feel like, when does this flight end? 
That's funny. Yeah, I have a friend that's a pilot, but he's private. So he tells me about his his tips and tricks, and he's now just doing overseas flights. So um, it's interesting to see the different different pilot perspectives I'm I'm hearing. Sure. So yeah, yeah. I mean, private at school. It's actually very cool. If you land it, a good company, oh, you're good. It, it's it's funny because it's either. I mean, this guy has zero interest in commercial, like zero. Yeah. And I've always asked him that, and and he, I think it kind of goes back to the the comment he made. You know, the training is the fun part, but then afterwards, it's just kind of sale, and it may be money, right? This guy gets a private contract versus you know commercial being uh, i don't know if commercial actually has unions or not too so um but yeah i mean commercial wasn't my first thing hmm. i was about to get into uh military uh pilot training that's what i applied for first and that's what i wanted to go with first <clears throat> and um what stopped me was my mom, because my dad was like, go full send. But my mom, she was like, oh, what happens if this? What happens if it's that? Always the moms. So, yeah, I, she was a whole three days on my DRS. She's not latching on me, not letting that one go <laughs> until she decided to just be like, you know what? I was like, you know what? I'm just going to change this to commercial. I'm happy now. Okay. And the one of the funniest stories that happened to me when I started my training commercial, she was like, uh, she just asked, I think, I would say an innocent question. She's like, so what if something happens to the plane in the sky? Do you, do you guys have parachute? I was like, well, you see the thing, mom, you made me leave the place where they have parachutes. I know in a place where they don't have parachutes. You have to deal with that information. <laughs> <laughs> got her so, yeah so yeah i mean at the end of the day uh yeah my first interest was actually military fighter jets um that's what i was about to get into and i applied to get enrolled under uh trainings because they were asked they wanted to train fighter pilots for the strike eagle back home and yeah it, it was a ride i would love to do but i couldn't have yeah noticed. I was curious because, um, like, if you follow your your Twitter account, it takes you to your your Instagram account, obviously, and that's like all about aviation and military aviation. You got some Apache sixty fours on here and stealth bombers, etc. So I'm like, oh, maybe this is a military guy. Yeah, I am. I am actually a military guy, but I do understand, and you have to understand commercial aviation too. Unless, what's the reason you are here anyway? So right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nearly 28,000 followers, man. You've been at that for a little while. Oh, I've been at this one for a bit. I've been with this account for a very long time. I mean, the the love of aviation has been with me since I was a kid. It's not like something new. Yeah, yeah. It's just how, do, how did I want to proceed with it in terms of content? Now, I'm not doing much with it on Instagram, but I'm thinking of ways to use maybe a YouTube platform or ways and other there. But also, I do want to focus on the F1 content side as well, because the difference here, the reason why I love both of them, because when you see an F1 car, it's like you're seeing a fighter jet on wheels. That's basically how I see it, in my opinion. And um, 
an F1 race, people would know there is a certain, I would say about a couple of millions of people around the world knows when there's a race. And let's say even people who don't watch when there's a race in their own home soil or in their country, they know that there is a Formula One race coming to the country. In terms of aviation, as a thing, like there's no such a thing where you, there's no a real competition that you can watch. Right. There is one, but there's not one that that can be broadcasted, which is in Nevada, it's called Red Flag. And which is almost, when there's almost every Air Force around the world, they come and participate in exercises, which is, that simulates, let's say, an air-to-air battles 10 times harder than in real life. That would be fun if there was something where you can watch it live, but then who's going to watch that? So, yeah, there's a difference for me between the aviation and F1 part. I love them both, but it's just, I know there are people who love F1 because they love aviation and vice versa. So that's what I can see. Yeah, that's hard too to like televise uh, air raid uh, mock attack. I mean, <laughs> you have so much coverage uh, in terms of that's what racing racing is already challenging enough with with giving that you that that coverage and f1 does a pretty good job of that where they have the cameras in different areas of the track so i can see how it's harder to get people into that given that you can't really televise it you got to be there live or however i mean you can you can televise it if you want like let's say you have a camera on board with, or that too yeah this fighter jet and you have another on board with this fighter jet and then you can have something and i know i don't know if you've seen this app before it's called flight radar yeah oh yeah so, so yeah flight radar you can track every airplane and if you pay an extra five dollar you can have a a three three d view of the planes in the sky oh so i didn't know that yeah, yeah if you have an app accessible like that i'm sure they can do something similar to that in if they're gonna they want to televise in, let's say, fighter just competition where you can have the onboard and at the same time you're watching their movement 3D in the sky, knowing what's going on. And if there's a dogfight, then you have both onboards. You can see it from the onboard, basically, if you want or you want to call it that. So, yeah, that's my, my stupid idea about it. So, uh, is there there's... Um, like flight simulator competition? Are those do those get any attention or no? How do you do? There are there are some of them. It's a small. I think it's a, it's a large community, but and they haven't done I think anything yet to make it a real competition. But there is something called DCS. So DCS is basically you have the real physics of well they the guys who program the fighter jets and everything they simulate about ninety percent. Uh, of the physics of those fighter jets and the exact physics that you need and uh yeah so some some of them they do that and they compete they do some fun stuff but at the end of the day it's it just depends what what you what you're getting at because if i'm gonna put two different fighter jets then you're getting two different outcomes because one of them could be better than the other in a let's say a dog fight and if you're gonna do a bvr which is a beyond visual range fight, then that depends on who has the strongest radar. Pretty much what it is. That's crazy. Well, hey man, maybe that'll be your next company. You start a yeah. 
competitive streaming platform for aviation. Maybe I should do that actually. <laughs> now you yeah. gave me an idea. Yeah, there yeah. you go, man. We so, want our cut. <laughs> yeah, we'll help you. We'll we'll generate some odds for it. <laughs> <laughs> so one one thing that I've noticed with Formula One is how truly global the sport is, right? And I love you know connecting with people like you in the Middle East, people in Europe, people in Asia, Pacific, etc. Even Capper down there in Texas. Um, it's just cool how how it brings the whole world together. Now you said you've been a fan of F1 like since the early 2000s. What's it been like watching the sport grow in popularity in the Middle East and you know what's what's kind of the state of of F1 in Saudi Arabia right now? Uh honestly I think Michael Schumacher made the noise in the Middle East. Oh, I think that was the beginning. And that doesn't mean there wasn't people who were aware of like the likes of Senna, Prost, Lauda. There were people even that much older, they knew about it. And specifically, even much way older than that, uh, there are people who've been, who picked interest in F1, I'd say thanks to the William Saudia, if you remember that, I think 1977. Uh, which, which Williams car was it? Was it the FW34? Anyway, so I think the first Arabic company to sponsor a Formula One team was uh, Saudi Airlines, sponsor of Saudi Airlines with the Williams. So that's when people start to notice, like, oh, why Saudi Airlines is sponsoring a team in F1? Let's watch this. So I think, yeah, that's when it started to gradually grow up since the, I think I would say late 70s. That's when. But yeah, Mike Schumacher made more of the noise since the first Bahrain Grand Prix was in Bahrain. I think it was in 2003, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. So yeah, from there, F1 started to pick more and more interest. Um, in Saudi, yeah, you have more Ferrari fans than I'd <laughs> say. And the thing is, second comes uh, Mercedes fans, or I would say mostly Lewis fans. And then you have the Red Bull, I don't know very skyrocketing growing Max Verstappen fan base as well. So uh, when I say skyrocketing, it's growing with, uh, I don't know, space, SpaceX kind of speed rocket. That's how fast that thing is is growing. And when you think about it, this young generation, I mean, I'm I'm not old myself. I'm young. But like people are much younger than me in the 22, 23 kind of age. And I think about it, all of them now becoming Maps and Red Bull fans because of the effect of Red Bull dominance in, I'd say, specifically since 2021, the first Saudi Arabian Grand Prix, and now I have 2022, Red Bull Max dominating, 2023, we already know who's the champion again. I think if this keeps up in seven years, Saudi Arabia could be entirely a Red Bull fan base. Hmm. Easily. Wow. Wow. So you, do you think it's all just in this past year or was it after Abu Dhabi 2021? What do you, oh, where no. do you after the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix 2021? That's when that's just I, because, yeah, because I've noticed uh, before 2021, there was a decent amount of fan base in Saudi Arabia. I'd say about what I think, let's say you have too many people who are really invested in F1, mm -hmm. but after that, it just went through the roof. 
And when I say it went through the roof, like I get friends who never been interested in F1, never talked with me or asked me about F1, coming to ask me about F1. Mm-hmm. In a way, made me think, and I was like, okay, so it is actually peaking interest. And the other thing is, it's not just that F1 Saudi is growing up because of 2021 or 2022 or Max winning. No, because it's being advertised in the country as well. Which is so make- would you say it's like, uh, because it's a, the car culture is pretty huge still with with the guys right in in Big saudi time. arabia yeah oh so, the girls too oh, the girls yeah, too are yeah, crazy. The girls yeah yeah so that does that have any influence as well uh just the f1 general not like as red bull or mercedes do you see that most younger kids are always going to latch on to the car culture and they see that's the highest level of a car you can get to and that's how they latch because here in the united states a lot of the growth has been through netflix of course you know drive yeah. to survive I don't know if that's even considered or something that was considered a growth avenue for for Saudi Arabia. Uh, no, the the thing is the way how it was advertised was not through Netflix and Drive to Survive. It was just ad- advertised through pure raw racing as the way how it was. And as I said, uh, there's mm-hmm. a lot of uh, petrol heads in that yeah. country. Yeah, boys and girls, they love the smoke of rubber. So when they see that, and they're like, Ooh. "So this is the pinnacle of vroom vroom." Yep, I'm invested in that. Get me into this. I Pure love full. it. Pure fast. <laughs> yeah. So it's basically that's the way how it was. Because um, I have a lot of friends now in uh, in Jeddah, especially a lot. And if I'm gonna talk in the female side, mm. a lot of most of these. Girls, they weren't that hundred percent interested in F one. They only went to F one because they heard the big noise. Oh, so F one is coming to gym. What is this F one? Let's go check. Mm. And they go check. Now they're watching every race. I want to ask them, when did you get interested that invested in F one? And they're like, oh well, because I went to the first race in Saudi Arabia twenty twenty one, and then I started to see some of the stuff in social media and what people are saying. So watching some documentaries on YouTube and yeah, blah, 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 blah. And I got interested. Then I, somebody told me that there's a drive to survive series. So drive mm-hmm. to survive is like kind of, I would say the last or the one before last thing that comes into the interest of people to find. It's not mostly advertised in there, but you can watch it. It's the dessert to the, the full meal you just ate. I love it. Well, yeah. I, I want to talk to you very quickly on the, you say that the women are actually picking up on it in Saudi Arabia and ignore my ignorance with it. And, you know, I know, I know a lot of the, the culture and how. Oh man, go full set. Don't worry about yes. it. Okay. So they basically like to, to make this men centric. So what's the culture like now with women uh, being accepted into the, whether it's motorsports or driving, because, you know, I've seen some of the stories of a few, you know, female drivers out there coming from the Middle East as well. So how is the culture accepting it? The, the female culture in motorsport, I think it started since when? I don't know. Was it 2012 or something like that? I, it was. It was later 
in the 2000s for sure. Yeah, it, it is later in 2000, so I think 2012, 2015, <clears throat> we had some rally drivers. And the thing that sparked up all this wave of women into motorsport is that when women started driving and right away, you've got a big wave of women joining in motorsport, either in rallying, rally Baja, and most of the ladies joined in either GT or rally. Mm. And I think there was one girl who, and she's actually my neighbor. I'm sure, I'm not sure if you, um, if you've ever heard of her, Rima Jafali. It's R-I-M-A? R-E-E-E-M-A Al A-L I think I found her Mm -hmm. So she's in GT uh, and I think she's the the biggest name known in GT and yeah so the club of women in motorsport and forget all these big names that people know on social media and not through platforms yada 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 like I'm talking about other girls that haven't made it yet that I'm mm. like I have contact with, and uh, one of them is um, there's one one of my friends. Uh, I see her doing a lot of karting, and I asked her, I was like, "So, are you doing this just because you you want to have fun, or are you doing this because you see?" She's like, "No, I love cars. I'm a big Porsche metalhead, so I want to be in GT and I want to drive Porsche." I was like, so you already have a, a goal set. So the car culture in general in the Middle East is something that attracted people to motorsport because all the time people didn't have something they could basically put their hand on. Like they go buy, let's say, all these expensive sport cars and they're like, now what? I can drive it to the full limits because... There's road rules, you know, at the end of the day, you're not going to break the rules. And with motorsport coming in hot in the country kind of sparks for the people to be looking into different settings in their perspective. Instead of going buying, let's say, a commercial Porsche GT, why not just buy one that you can actually modify for real racing? Why not go buy a Mercedes uh, GT that you can modify for real racing you know and that's what the direction some of the people start to work to go spend their money on instead of spending their money on just buying a luxurious uh, port gt 911 mercedes gt and just drive it in the road you know but you can do that but that's what it, what's going on now in the country and i've been noticing so far that's awesome yeah, yeah no is, it's this is cool man rima yeah First ever yeah. Saudi woman to hold a racing license. First ever mm-hmm. Saudi Arabian woman racing driver. Sounds like a good guest for your podcast, buddy. Yeah. You need to bring her on. You should. <laughs> and even if you told her I'm her neighbor, she would not know because I know her her family. They are literally next door. When I say next door, this is my door. This is their door. And That's when cool. I saw her last name, I was like, like that's my neighbor. Wow. <laughs> I was like, Small that's world. surely my neighbor. I know that's for a fact. Yeah, yeah. It looks like you're both born and raised in Jeddah. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, cool. Cool, man. Have you been to the Jeddah GP? Like the F1 races? 
Could you imagine I've been so far to more Canadian Grand Prix than the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix? <laughs> no, I haven't been, but I'm planning on this year because, come on, man, that's my home city. I have to be there. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually pretty excited. I heard some good things about how things are run in the circuit. And it's a fun experience. Uh, if you want to spend time between the sessions, there's a lot of activities you can do between the sessions. So. I'm I'm down to see how how it goes. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, and you mentioned seeing some Canadian GPs. I know Capper has some IndyCar questions for you. It's one yeah. one sport we've really t- taken on this year. In addition to F1, we started covering IndyCar, and him and another guy, uh, Tegrity Betts, have been really sharp this year. So as soon as they saw that you were at the Toronto IndyCar, he's like, oh, "I got to ask him some questions." Yeah, I'm actually oh, yeah. curious. I'm curious. Yeah, so you you went to India, uh, in IndyCar, <laughs> India, IndyCar. <laughs> Indy <laughs> you went to the IndyCar race, and uh, I definitely wanted to hear your experience. Uh, a couple things, but first, let's start with the cars. Um, definitely want to get your input on the car now that you've seen both F1 and IndyCar, and we know that you know both of them are different types of series. One's going to be very engineer specific. One's going to be very race specific. But what were just your initial thoughts on the car? And I take it this is your first time seeing one of, up close, maybe, or uh, not even entirely sure, but just your thoughts on them, the difference. It's my second time uh, attending IndyCar. And uh, my first time attending Indy um, was last year. Mm. It, I was more shocked. And thanks to Double Wave Yellow, I don't know if you guys know him, uh, w Wave Tiro is a is a guy Marshall on Twitter. Uh, he's a Marshall action. His name is Marshall, and he's a Marshall. Um, <laughs> I've uh, I've met him in the Canadian Grand Prix last year. I've met him this year again in the at the Canadian Grand Prix, and I met him in Indy. He was the one to propose to me to attend Indy, and yeah, so I just like braved it. I was like, you know what? I don't live far away from the circuit. I was like, wow, the irony. In Canada, I am 10 minutes away from the Indy circuit. And in Jeddah, I am 10 minutes away from the F1 circuit. What's with me being living around circuits? So anyway, I go. It's much better experience. If, if you're an F1 fan and you want to have somewhat close experience to what is it like to be close to the cars, the drivers and everything, the best experience you could get is in Indy because one, the drivers in Indy are very laid back. And there's one driver I have big, big, big red flag notes on him. And uh, I'm going to get to him later. <laughs> the cars, in terms in terms of the cars, seeing them be, getting worked at and honestly, seeing what they do in Indy and seeing what some engineers will do in F1, I, I honestly cannot tell you how crazy that's i've seen a full car come from the track to the pit lane or to the garage where they stop go down to pieces and then put back together and i'm like 
I was like, that's not a job you really want to do. Because I was just walking around the paddock, being noisy, uh, trying to talk as much people, ask as much questions as possible. Um, just trying to make a stupid video of mine. And thanks to the McLaren, uh, uh, I think the media officer, she let me interview Tony Kanan. And it was actually a fun interview with him. Oh, nice. Uh, the man... He was a very chill, but that was the most stressful thing I've ever done in my life. That was my first ever interview ever. And the thing is, it's the way how it was done. I couldn't, I couldn't believe it because I just wanted to ask her. And she said, I'm going to ask them and everything. And I was like, yeah, she's not getting back to me. I, I know that. I'm going to ask them. And then she comes back to me. She's like, can you be here at 10 a.m.? And I was like, of course. I was like, well, they told me to be at 10 a.m., so surely there is something. <laughs> so she comes to me. She's like, I'm going to go get Paddle. Oh. I was like, you want me to interview Paddle? She's like, yeah. Then she walks in to that door, and I see Paddle coming out from the other door. I was like, yeah, she's not catching him. <laughs> <He's> <laughs> <gone>. <laughs> then she comes back to me, and she's like, Paddle is gone. I was like, I'm aware of that. I've seen him be from here. <laughs> she's like, but... How does Tony Kanan sound? And my brain just lagged for two seconds, you know, because I'm like Tony Kanan. Wait, and I, I, my I know who he is, but my brain starts to forget because my brain starts to freeze for a second. I was like, I was like, yeah, yeah. She's like, okay. Then she pulls me and starts running with me to a table right in the middle of the garage while these guys working on the car, and you can hear all the noises. And then Tony Kanan comes out running. He's like, hi. I have four minutes. I have to be on the track. So it makes this quick. And I'm sitting there asking all those questions. And as I'm trying to do an introduction, I don't have to be quick. And I don't have to make a mistake. And I have to read through the questions. And then as I'm about to start reading the questions, just behind the camera, there's like five, six McLaren mechanics standing there. And I'm like, what is going on? And then the media officer comes sit right beside us behind the camera. And she's like, Show me the timer every two seconds. <laughs> Jeez. Just that <laughs> must be distracting. <laughs> oh my God. No, I'm trying not to be distracted. I'm trying to see with the side of my eye as I'm looking here to know what she's pointed at because I want to act like everything is normal. Yeah, right. of course. But yeah. honestly, it was a fun uh, it, it was a fun interview to do with him. I, I enjoyed it so much. But in terms of F1 attending F1 seeing the real cars up close boy those f1 cars are thick yo yeah they're huge i wanna yeah i wanna say thick like the size of the carbon fiber itself like for example I've, I've, last year i saw the uh the f175 the ferrari 2022 cars up close <clears throat> uh seeing those rear wings and front wings what shocked me is is when i uh, when I saw them towing Yuki's car, so I went right next to the truck, just walking next to it. It's not even going fast; it's just going like walking speed. So I see, I start like to touch the rubber of the tires. See, okay, touching the edge of the floor, not budging an inch. That rear wing, not moving an inch. The front wing end plate. When I just, of course, I'm not trying to rip things up. I'm just trying to test to see if it's actually flexible and 
it's not even moving an inch. And I'm like, how does these things just start to flex when there's a lot of air downforce? It just shows you how strong these cars are built. And then it shows you again, how do they even attempt to cut weight? Because sometimes they have to reduce a little bit of weight with carbon fiber. But then you can reduce the weight too much to the point that things could start snapping from the amount of downforce or air hitting it. And I'm like, now nah, everyone is too complicated to yeah. even think or comprehend how crazy things are. And yeah, seeing both cars up close, I didn't see an engine, uh, the engine uh, of an F1 car, because while well, they're working with it right inside the garage, but for Indy, those engines are surprisingly small to think about, and they pack a punch, if you ask me. Yeah, they seem to. And what? So, would you say it sounded like your experience with IndyCar overall, just overall experience, not the racing? You enjoyed that more than an F one, just because of the up close and personal you can get, which is a thing that I try to stress to other people. You know. Yes, you can pay the hundreds or thousands of dollars to go to an F one race. Go, go ahead, enjoy it. But driver is not going to stand. Give you but the you're not, talk. yeah, and they're not going to even let you go within paddock lines and 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 Indy cars the same way, IMSA's the same way, sports cars and all that. And um, so it's good to hear that you you still had a better experience weekend experience with Indy car. Would you say oh, the even, racing? Even- even as an F1 fan, I'll tell you 100%, I had more experience. Uh, mm. Racing, it's very tight and close in Indy. Again, we have to remember, this is a spec series. Sure. These sure. are literally identical cars. The only difference I've noticed between these cars is some teams choose a different uh, shape or look of the side pod inlet. So mm. some mm-hmm. cars have different side pod inlet than others. But this still doesn't make, make any that massive of a gap or massive difference that are like, oh my God, yeah, oh, they're going to gain two tenths, three tenths. It's just about the settings and the driving style. If your settings works with your driving style and circuit, yeah, maybe you're going to be the one to yeah. take it. That's pretty much what it is. Uh, in terms of racing F1, we already know, like, we don't have to discuss racing yeah. F1, how it is. It's just about who nails the, who nails it. Is the one who's gonna get it, basically that's pretty yeah. much if you nail the whole regulation you're the one who's gonna be winning the things so in indy yeah. i've enjoyed the racing too it's mm. interesting i know that there's almost like as if two teams winning the couple of years the championships i'm talking mm. i think it's the ganassas right yeah ganassas and uh, penske Penske, yep. They're the ones who are winning the championship. And one of the reasons why I could believe why those teams are winning a lot, when I went to the garage, so when I went to the paddock and walking up and down just to see, yeah, I went to see the Andretti, see McLaren, see Penske, Ganassis. One thing I've noticed for sure, the type of employees that Penske and Ganassis have, I was like, these guys look like federal agents. They don't look like uh, engineers because they look like a very marinated old engineers. They And the type of people who are wearing like the suits and everything and walk with a pen and paper and everything, 
they have everything now down nailed to the notch you know they are now mm-hmm. working as a now oh, i don't know what i'm gonna do so i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do that no they have a whole system working for them and you can even see how much well since we're talking about the cost cap and spend it you can see from the amenities around them how their garages are set up compared to some small teams you know yeah. Yeah. so that's one thing I've noticed, and I'm like, well, that makes sense why these guys, they win a lot of championships, because look how many people they have working for them Yeah, in a big series. Makes sense why they would be the ones winning the most in the last couple of years. So, sure. in terms of drivers, yeah, Roman Grosjean should really fix his attitude, in my opinion. He's uh, he's one of the, he's the number one public enemy in, in our F1 Discord for many reasons and now that you said that i don't like him anymore <laughs> i honestly sorry I romaine if you're listening to this i, I look i it's literally just... record i literally recorded a video and i was recording him I did, when i saw him i was there was one guy i would not take a picture with mm. is roman grosjean just yeah. judging by the 2022 experience i had with him uh, when i was in the paddock in 2022 it was my first time you know I'm experiencing everything. I'm new. Uh, I met, uh, well, Power. Uh, who else? Uh, McLaughlin. Uh, the McLaren boys. Uh, Colton Herta. Polo. Rossi. And then you have, as well, um, Grosjean. Yeah. The thing with Grosjean... He has the fakest expression the world can ever see. If you are in the space station, you can spot it. Mm. That's how fake it is. Like this guy, he comes out, let's say he's coming out of the garage walking or he's walking back to the garage and he's like. (laughs) And then somebody goes, hi, Grosjean. And he goes, hi. No, I'm sorry. I'm so busy. And I'm like, uh, what's with that face? Like, it's literally, it's this face I'm making. That's how he's like, hi. And I'm like, who it's does a fr- that? Like, it's, a, it's a French thing. I, it's not a French thing. I was like, I'm just, I, was, I, I think, I was like, in my head, I was like, this guy really thinks he's still in F1. This guy I really mean, thinks... I mean, even Will Power has, uh, I mean, a lot of drivers have expressed their uh, their views on Grosjean with Indy and you know as you may know he's wasn't even that really liked enough when he was in the paddock in F1 I mean he's just yeah I just I just think uh, yeah and I think this year when I saw him again I didn't even ask him for anything but I think in his mind he thought I was about to ask him something because I was standing right next to the McLaren and he comes walking and I'm just standing like this looking at him walking back (laughs) And he thought I'm about to ask him like for a picture or something, and he goes, eh, "I'm sorry, I'm I'm busy." I was like, "I was like, I wasn't even gonna ask you for anything, but at least smile a bit, bro. You need to smile." And he yeah. gave me the side eye, the worst side eye I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> just goes walking down to the entry of the garage. But yeah, awesome. he needs to fix his attitude, honestly. I, I'm guy's... glad. I'm glad we talked about this, and I can't wait to tell uh, my crew. Uh, I love my indie you... crew about it. The, the agenda has to work now. <laughs> we have the evidence. Oh, <laughs> man. Nothing against him, honestly. But it's going to be good. Yeah. 
Yeah. I love, I just love how you let them know. You're like, yeah, you, mm-hmm. need, to, yeah. you need to change your so, attitude, buddy. <laughs> yeah. No, I honestly said it because I didn't care. Because for four yeah. or five consecutive times, seeing him how he treated some parents, not the nicest way. Yeah. We yeah. all felt like, and people would say, oh, you hate him because this and that. No, 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 I have nothing against him. We all will. I, will, I was the first, I think, remember when it was Bahrain Grand Prix. And when I saw the fire, I switched off the TV right away. Because I didn't want to see what's going on. I don't want to know. And all I was praying for is, please, if that's Roman, please, I want that man out of that car. Safe and sound. Because that's the first thought that came to my mind, you know? When I saw him out of the car miraculously safe, just broken arm and burnt hand, oh boy, I was so happy. When he joined Indy, I was happy for him. When he got the first pole and podium in Indy, I was so excited for him. Because in my head, like, well, finally something's working for him. Then all went downhill. And then he went back to the same personality that we know about Jordan F1. Then that's a problem in you. It's yeah. not in the series or the pressure of the sport. It is something with the personality of the guy himself. Yeah. yeah. Especially in a league like F1, like you know if if you're not like totally at the pinnacle as a driver you got to really up your your social skills and and your the softer side make mm-hmm. yourself more marketable right mm-hmm. hey, you can't part you of can, it. you you can't show agony uh oh merde uh, nothing is working for me oh, oh no oh, and you can't and you can't as well sit there and be like i'm a nice guy oh my god i want to cry none of these two things will work for you now yeah, it, it didn't cut it for many drivers, and certainly mm-hmm. wouldn't for him too. So, uh, look, we're not F one drivers. We never drove an F one car. I don't think we we would get the experience unless we pay twenty thousand dollars to experience that. But from what you see and what you hear, other drivers says in interviews, that's what it is. You can't be that. You just have to show the strongest emotions possible, because there are people who are waiting to jump on your seat and take. Yep, for sure. So, Ahmed, we have a couple questions here just about your Twitter bio. You mentioned the, the main at Grand Prix. Uh, you handle Arabic writing for Mercedes. How did you even get into those gigs? How did that come about? Uh, well, I was approached by a nice lady, my boss, now in Mina Grand Prix. Um uh, her name is uh, Reem Asad, and I think you guys can find her account. Is uh, anyway, I'll share the account with you guys later. Mm-hmm. And she's a businesswoman and everything, and she's an F1 enthusiast. And she was interested in F1. She didn't have, let's say, a more of a, I'd say, engineering background about F1. So the more, the more, the more she started more to get interested, she's like, you know what? Why not? I started a media company. And after doing a little bit of research here and there and everything, I knew the lady is legit. She's a businesswoman. She's not something. And I was like, you know what? Let's just do this. Let's start a media company. I don't have a problem with that. And yeah, now we have a big group. I would say a diverse group. We have a Canadian member with us. We have people... We have a lot of ladies uh, with us as well in the group from Bahrain, from Saudi, from uh, Lebanon. And yeah, same thing with the guys. We have guys from Saudi, 
Qatar, Lebanon. So we are, I'd say, a diverse group. And yeah, we included a Canadian guy with us because we need the English content. And I told him, since you guys don't have English content, I'll be the English guy for you. So that's how we started. And the goal is not just to be on social media and a group of social media uh, pages. The group is much further than that. And to become even in broadcasting and covering some parts in F1 that you probably don't get to see on, on TV. So, yeah, that's the goal. And that's where we headed. You said Reem Assad? Uh, Reem Al-Assad. Al-Assad, okay. Well, that's cool. I, I was curious because, you know, when I first found you, you only had, I don't know, 500, 1,000 followers or something. And, and you, you, uh, really, I think, yeah, you really a... came in and stamped yourself in the F1 world. And I loved it because it was just great content. What honestly, what honestly you want to just spin off and do that? I don't know, honestly, what made me think of this. Because the thing is, when I, when I joined F1 Twitter, and I was like, I was like, all these years I've had Twitter and I had no use for it. <laughs> what, why do I even have a Twitter account? Let me, let me just jump on, see if there's any F1. Account. I was like, oh yeah, well, I'm stupid, of course. Follow all the F1 teams, see people who write, okay, I'm going to follow this guy, that guy. But then I was like, well, since I have an account, why not just like, jump on it and say whatever I want to say, uh, in my mind, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, whatever thought comes in my mind, I just throw it out there in the blue. If if I get roasted for it, fine. If people like it, good. I don't care. Just uh, That's the thing I am. And a lot of people think I'm just, gonna, I'm just let's say, a Mercedes fan. I have an agenda. I really have no agenda, man. I really don't care about agendas. That's I live. I leave for other people in terms of, having agendas against other drivers and other teams i love look i'm a diehard lewis fan every driver currently on the grid i have no personal agenda against them because guess what i hear nothing but good things about the drivers on the grid outside of f1 so it's it's just f1 twitter you know what i will say it's it's a breath of fresh air that there's someone like you who doesn't take it as seriously as some of the toxicity you see in F1. It's crazy how serious this whole Lewis Hamilton versus Max thing happens and everything. So that's why when I need a good laugh, I just go to your Twitter and I'm like, this is perfect. (laughs) The the thing is when, um, when it slides out, all the agendas are on, but when it's checkers flag, the race is over. That's yeah. it. Done. I don't yeah. have. I'm I have nothing. You. Cause that man. Guess what? That man is gonna remove his sweaty helmet, and yeah. Uh, yeah. remove his sweaty fireproof. Uh, uh, what they call it? I keep forgetting. Uh, anyway, you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. You're gonna take a shower, jump on his private jet, and go enjoy his life. <laughs> Why would I be bothered to fight? Yeah. Unless he pays me. To run the agenda, I don't have a problem. Yeah, I'm not getting paid for that. I'm just here for fun. That's it. Shits and giggles, if I may say. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He, he no, can pay you. To, he can pay you to fly his private jet and run his Twitter oh. account. 
that now that you mentioned that you're giving me ideas <laughs> sweet man well we're kind of coming to a close here we got a couple couple gambling betting related questions for you um just as we kind of bring in for landing obviously as you know we we focus more on the on the sports betting side of formula one and motorsports so we were curious just to hear from you um now that we know you're in toronto and, and canada a little more you know do you have a sports book do you bet on it while you're here and when you head home like what is the fantasy sports and betting scene like in the middle east um the thing is and i'm sure uh uh, my friend, he will, our friend here, he will know. Uh, ben, ben in the Middle East is not a thing, honestly. Yeah. Uh, if yeah, <laughs> like, look at him. I told, look I told him before. I told him before. It's probably not going to be good in the Middle East, but I don't know about fantasy sports though, because it's not technically. I mean, betting. no, no, like fantasy sports. Let's say like uh, fantasy in terms of like even an F one or uh, I don't even... know if you know the the Premier League, for example. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Oh, people are jumping all over fantasy in Premier League, F1. Even the Saudi League, now they have fantasy. That they yeah. do. But anything to put money on, no, that's that's not, I think, allowed in the Middle East and uh, Middle yeah. East in general. I mean, I don't think there's even a casino in Middle East. Is there? I maybe. Don't even. Maybe, I would. I think Dubai. Maybe, maybe one of the hotels or two hotels, they have a roulette set or something like that. Yeah. That's about it. <laughs> Nothing more than that. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, in terms of, well, if you want to ask me about betting in general, um, I just think you have to know where you're going at. And I think in terms of F1, it is probably the easiest thing you can ever bet on. If you really want to go bet, it's the easiest thing you can know and bet on because you're going to be like, well, we know who's winning. That's Max. P2, Sergio Perez, if he decides to remember that he's uh, driving the fastest car. <laughs> Sounds right. P3, is Mercedes going to be in the mood or not? Or they're going to get jumped by another uh, one of their clients or one of their customer teams again. So it's pretty much, I think that's how I would think about it in my mind if, if I'm going to bet, you know? So, but again, if you want to bet an F1, I don't know. How do you guys put it? Like, are you just like betting on the winner or you have to rank them? Oh, I think that's probably the one thing we we don't really focus our attention on because the market is everywhere from top three, top six, top ten. I personally just like head-to-head. -head. I, oh. I, I like the whenever they start posting – towards after qualifying they'll post uh teammate head-to-heads and non-teammate head-to-head so you will see things like a you know ocon over stroll and then they'll put the odds implied based on that so if it's a 60 percent chance ocon will beat stroll then they'll they'll adjust the the odds based on that so um, that's yeah, i remember i remember when i followed you guys uh and the first time when you when I I think we followed each other, I think you guys about you were about the same thing, like three hundred followers or something. And the first thing I thought, I think this account is a scam. You know, that's the first thing. <laughs> I we still that. are, Ahmed. Yes. <laughs> some some might agree with you. <laughs> we're so, still scamming. So, <laughs> so that's the first thought in my mind. I was like, 
F1 best. I've never heard of them. I was like, is this a scam? Totally is a scam, you know? But then I was like, you know what? A person follows me and follows them. They didn't hurt me. They didn't hurt anyone. I don't have a problem with that. And uh, yeah, came the approach when you told me about, um, you want to do a podcast? You want to talk about F1 and this and that? And like, we can chat and all that and talk about better in F1. And in my head, when you said better in F1, I was like, now, how do I put this together? Because we don't have yeah, betting, so how do I put the experience? And, yeah. you know, that's I why mean, we wanted you is because, you know, we, we are focused on betting, but we are very interested in, in understanding different insights and inputs because all the stuff we talk about, like the arrow, the engineering, all these little things is what helps us determine on Saturday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, what, what are we doing? In, in terms... In general terms, if you ask me about how do I see things in terms of betting, like, look, the closest thing I've got to betting is one time I went with a friend to uh, a casino and they wanted to put their money like on roulette and here and this and that. So I'm, I'm just, I'm just standing watching, you know, watching what people are doing. And yeah. She, they started winning and winning and winning. I was like, oh, that's good for you guys. And then they went on a peak and they were about to go down, down the slope. And that's where I came in as the non-better. And I was pulled them from their necks. I was like, guys, nice. don't get too greedy. Yeah. Yes. You came in with 200 and you're about to walk with 1,700. Don't blow it. Yeah. I nice. grabbed them from their necks and I was like, go have some nice dinner with whatever you guys just want. Because... You really trust me. You do not want to keep going because now yeah. they're gonna seems like they're about to take you mm-hmm. down the roller coaster. So, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, that's the closest I've got to what is it betting online betting. I think yeah, I've done fantasies with F one. Uh, I don't do Premier League because that's too much headache. I don't have time to track every yeah. freaking team and every player to know who's good to put in my fantasy. F one yeah. is easy. Twenty drivers. You know who's gonna Perfect. fumble. You know yeah. who's gonna do el plan and who's gonna do el disaster so you have a track on all the 20. they only race but, uh, every other week right it's not like four times a week mm-hmm. or baseball players oh. every day mm-hmm. oh i mean <laughs> yeah oh man football 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 to bet on football and i mean european football yeah <laughs> oh I man that's that, that that's that, that's too crazy i remember i have one of my friends um so I don't know if you guys watched the World Cup. I did. I'm sorry, I'm taking you off the track. Mm-hmm. So one of my friends, he was uh, he was in the US, right? So he had a Mexican friend. He wanted to watch the Saudi and uh, Argentina game. It was at 5 a.m. I woke up here at 5 a.m. to watch the game. And I, was, I woke up shaking. I was like, why am I waking up? to watch Saudi Arabia get annihilated and embarrassed by Argentina. So that's my first thought. And uh, so the story of my friend, he said, like, his friend came drunk. And he was like, oh, yeah, I just went to place my bet for the Saudi and Argentina game. So he placed a huge money for Argentina to win. Uh-oh. So what happened is Argentina lost, as we all know. The thing is, when he was drunk, when he was drunk, he wrongfully put Saudi Arabia is going to win. 
Oh my gosh. <laughs> for big money? Oh my gosh. That must have been because big. He put five hundred. He got thirty-five thousand back. <laughs> oh my god. And he 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 was so drunk that he thought he actually bet on Argentina is gonna win, but he bet on salary. That's was what he, happened with Was he awake when he saw it or did he like wake up the next morning? Oh no, no, he went to sleep. He woke yeah. up the next morning, he found himself that he said my friend, he said his initial first thought, he said when he woke up like with all the hangover and <laughs> all that headache, he's yeah. like, Oh my god, I put five hundred on Argentina and did lost. Oh my god. He's like, Did he look? He's like, Wait, I placed it on Saudi Arabia? He's like, you went to cash out, that's $35,000, right? That came out of you. Yeah. Oh, my so gosh. That, that's one of the lucky bet stories that all I know about. Yeah, yeah. That's but, Those are the ones that the sports books love, best love telling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I man. mean, I, I hope some guy get drunk and make a drunk prediction for Max not to win. We need someone I, like I that. Will, I will do that. I will do that in Brazil. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, with the way how things are going, I think this guy's about to to win everything. Honestly, yeah, I, I think mean, that's the goal now. You guys, who do you think could win? Who do I think could win? I still the think the first it, person to take it. The first person would be Lewis Hamilton. Still, I think. I still think it would be. I know it sounds weird, but I think it it, it would still happen. It would still be him or Mercedes because you always see them. They always do well uh, incrementally with their upgrades as they get through the season right now. And last year proved it, and it's proving this year. So, I mean, I do agree with you. It's one thing I think, I mean, if Lewis gets the chance to do it, mm. uh, I think the one reason why I think he would because of how hungry he is after he got that pull in, in, uh, in Hungary, you can see how he just became alive. Like yeah. he he just you can say he missed that feeling. That's what happened with him. Yeah. He missed the feeling that he I'm not gonna say he forgot about, but he just he was like, Oh yeah, I really miss this feeling. It's like my first time. I really need to get back to getting pole positions and winning. But I think my personal one, and it will be a surprise. Norris. Piastri. Yeah. There it is. There it is. I like that. Okay, there man. There it is. We got to bring it in for a landing here. That's a great one to end on. If if you want to back like that. Oscar Piastri to win any race, it's now 25 to 1. So you put 100 bucks on it and walk out with 2,500. <laughs> right. Or do the 500, get drunk and do 500. <laughs> <laughs> 10 grand, not bad. All right, Ahmed, thank you so much for joining us, man. This was a great discussion. We'd love to have you back yeah. on some other time down yeah. the road. And, uh, just all the best. Enjoy the rest of the 2023 season. And if you do make it out to, um, you know, any of the Saudi Arabia races, please let us know, man. Yeah. Uh, thank well, you so much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, guys, for having me. I really enjoyed this episode. And uh, yeah, hopefully I'll be with you guys with more. Yeah. And uh, I wish you best of luck in what you guys do, honestly. Uh, it, likewise. Advice, likewise. As much as I don't bet. Good luck to you guys. Honestly, it's a uh, it's a tough it's a tough uh, field to be in. Someone's <laughs> got to do it, and it's going to be Appreciate us, it, right? So, yeah. Awesome. Take care, guys. All right. All right. See, see you around the F1 Twitter, my friend. See you later.